he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We're glad that you have chosen to join us for this week's sermon of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. God's Word is full of timeless truths that are relevant to our lives today. Here's this week's message. We are in uh, the midst of a series of from the Minor Prophets. In fact, the, the name of the series I take uh, from, from Joel, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And the hope is that we will come to read the prophets in, in a new way and, and find that there is indeed good news for us in there as well. I think a lot of times, uh, I know in my own life and Bible reading, that is something I, I quickly kind of read over and get through because it's so confusing and sometimes so like unnerving just how, how harsh it comes across. And it's like, where do we find indeed hope and good news? Where do we find the gospel in these words? And Nahum, who we'll be reading from today, uh, he's another one of those prophets who uh, his words are come off harsh right off the bat. And it's like, okay, what are we going to do with this? And I think it's important for us to, to find in these prophets indeed that there can, and still be, there can still be hope for us. And they're not just words we kind of put off to the side and only revisit whenever, I don't know, we're afraid or, or, or we think it uh, uh, is good to point at someone else, but it can still speak to us where we are. Let, let's go to Nahum chapter 1 and just, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. And I would suggest just on your first reading, think about what we've just sung, grace greater than our sin. Think about perhaps that burden, that concern that uh, just continues to hound and to stay close. And then think to yourself, maybe God is speaking to that as you hear these words. An oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries and rages against His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of His feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers, Bashan and Carmel wither, and the bloom of Lebanon fades. The mountains quake before Him and the hills melt. The earth heaves before Him, the world and all who live in it. Who can stand before His indignation? Who can endure the heat? Of his anger. His wrath is poured out like fire, and by him the rocks are broken in pieces. The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble. He protects those who take refuge in him, even in a rushing flood. He'll make a full end of his adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Why do you plot against the Lord? He will make an end. No adversary will rise up twice. Like thorns, they're entangled. Like drunkards, they are drunk. They are consumed like dross. Dry straw. From you one has gone out who plots evil against the Lord, who counsels wickedness. Nahum begins by saying this is an oracle against Nineveh. And I think uh, it would be helpful for us to remember a little bit about Nineveh and who they are and what they are. 
Uh, they are the, the capital city, the, 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 the hub of Assyria, which is the nation that is coming against Israel. They are the nation that Hosea, who we first talked about, warned the people against. When uh, God's people were not following his directions, and Hosea had, remember, uh, Hosea had the, the, the most unusual illustration by naming his children words like, not my people, and no compassion, uh, lo ruhamah and lo ami, that he had named his children that. And if you remember, as we continued on through that prophecy, what happened is Hosea says, you know what? God has said, I'm going to have compassion on those who are named not compassion. I am indeed going to call into be, uh, uh, my family, into my, my people, those who have been known as not my people. We learned in that time that God is always able to show grace. God is always able to come back and say, no, I want and desire you to be a part of my plan and my purpose. And, uh, and so in Hosea and in Amos, we find that Assyria is the, is the bad guy. Assyria is, is, is the nation that is coming against God's people, and yet God is using them to also, uh, uh, according to the prophets, show the people of God that they have strayed and need to come back. And along our way through the minor prophets, we, have, we skipped the most popular one. Uh, we went from Hosea, we went into Amos a little bit, we went into Obadiah. We skipped Jonah. We know the story of Jonah. That's the most popular story. We've probably heard that story before. I think of all the minor prophets, probably the most preached from. It's the most taught one for our children as well. Uh, you find cartoon versions of it. There's talking vegetables that tell that story. And so, like, the story of Jonah is a story that we know well, right? This is, this is the prophet who's told, hey, guess who you're going to get to talk to? You're going to talk to Nineveh. You're going to tell Nineveh that i got a plan and a purpose for them. You're going to tell them they can worship the Most High God and they can repent and things are going to be okay with them. And he's like, no. Do you understand how much I hate Nineveh? And he runs as far as he can. And of course, he gets swallowed up by a giant fish. And, uh, and, this, and in this story, uh, he realized, okay, I've messed up. He repents. The fish spits him out on dry land. By the way, if you want to hear a great big fish story, this is just a little bit of a side. Talk to Dan after the service about the great white shark he caught a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, right off the coast of Maine. And it's, it's exciting. But anyway... Jonah gets swallowed, not by a great white shark, by something else, and spits out on the land and uh, says, okay, okay, I'm going to Nineveh. And he goes to Nineveh, and he gives the most lackluster sermon ever. It's like two sentences. It's like, repent or else. Like, like he gives just like the most boring sermon ever. And it works. <laughs> and it works. And he's upset and he's mad. And so he's complaining to God about this. And then he starts complaining because how hot it is. And he, so he sits underneath the shade of a plant. And then the plant withers and dies. And he starts complaining to God about the heat and about this, this, this plant that died. And God says to him, you care more about that plant than you did about Nineveh. There's a whole lot more to the story. You'll have to read, read from that. But uh, uh, and, 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 the, and the prophet Jonah, that book... It ends there. And it just kind of ends with this question of, do we care more about our comforts than we do about who is able to hear the gospel or who is able to hear God's hope for them? And that's how the book of Jonah ends. And then we come here to Nahum. And I found myself 
in reading and preparing for this, find myself thinking, I think the order in which those kind of prophets are laid out for us matters. Uh, most of the time when I read a book of the Bible, my, my, my approach to it is let's find out their situation, let's find out what's going on, let's get all that historical context, and let's find out if that helps me, how that helps me present this message. And, and most of the time that is, that is the go-to kind of way to go about it. But I found myself thinking with the minor prophets, and this came in part because of some of the studies I was doing, but thinking that the, the order of the prophets, I think, matters. So um, in, in the New Testament, you'll hear of like the scroll of Isaiah, whether Jesus is quoting from it um, in, when he's in the temple or whether uh, they're reading from it when they meet uh, the Ethiopian or the eunuch on the road and, uh, in Acts and he comes to confession. They're reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And there would just be one scroll for that massive book of prophecy. But the minor prophets, you wouldn't put each of them in their own scroll because you just run out of room in your bag back then of how to carry that. And so they would put all the minor prophets together. And so if they were reading from them, it'd be also very easy in a reading to keep reading all the different prophets. And so for a long time, for centuries even, up to the time of Jesus, the prophets would have been read together. And that creates a frame of reference for helping us understand Nahum, I think. Because it begins with us recognizing God has a plan and purpose and can raise up even outsiders to enact that if necessary. And there's this idea that Nineveh is terrible, and we got that message. But then Jonah tells us, but God might have compassion. God is a God who, who, can, who can be compassionate even towards those who have done terrible, terrible things. And, and, and we have to be able to share that message of repentance even to those who say, man, I don't know. If they're good enough, or I don't know if I'm good enough, to be able to hear that God desires to have compassion on them is important. And by the time we get to Nahum, what we find is that Nineveh has taken that message and has turned away from it. It it, it leads us to ask the question, if God's always forgiving, if God's always willing to, you know, uh, show love and forgiveness, even to terrible, terrible people, what's going to keep them from doing this again? What's going to keep them from uh, continuing to be evil, do things we don't want us to do? If Jesus teaches us, love our enemies, what if they never stop being our enemies? If if we follow what Stephen, uh, uh, the martyr Stephen talks about, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Well, what if they keep doing it? What happens there? And Paul kind of makes us a theme of one of the messages in the book of Romans. We read from Romans chapter 7. In the chapter before, he talks about sin, temptation, the struggle with it. Actually, we got that quite a bit in chapter 7 as well. But nonetheless, God's grace is greater than that sin. It's greater than the worst that we can do. It was in the midst of the worst that we could do that God entered into our world in the person of Jesus And it was after the world did its worst to Jesus that God raised him from the dead and still poured out his Holy Spirit on this world. In other words, God is saying again and again, I'm not finished yet. I still believe there's hope for a fallen world. And so Paul, with such a big picture of God's grace, asks a very kind of funny hypothetical question in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Like if God's grace is always meeting our sin, can we just keep going? And he says, absolutely not. It would be an absolute travesty 
to grace. And so the progression of our understanding of Nineveh is that they are the bad guy. And there's something to be learned about their rise to power. And, and Jonah tells us there's always opportunity for forgiveness, but what if they keep on? What happens then? Is there forgiveness for those who have done bad? Why should they stop their evil deeds at all? And the book of Nahum is a book that answers that question. It's a prophet that answers the question. If God's grace is always there, why should I bother changing anything about my life? And why would they change anything? So if Jonah ends with the, with the question of divine compassion, can God have compassion on them? Nahum begins with the question, what if the worldly powers look God in the eye and continue on in their way? That is what Nahum is addressing here. But he does say in verse 3, God is slow to anger. It's an echo that shows up in all the prophets. Ninevites have learned this. They ended up experiencing forgiveness from Jonah. And haven't we all at some point in time experienced God's forgiveness and recognized that where we had fallen short, God's grace was there and moved and helped us and got us to be where we are today? Because God was gracious. He is indeed slow to anger. Every breath we take, we know God has given it. He has been slow to anger, has been a source of strength and refuge for us. But the prophet Nahum warns, it doesn't have to be this way. There are ways that are completely adverse to God's good will. That's when power exploits and abuses those without power. We see that again and again, most often in the news. When one nation goes against a weaker nation, adults against kids, Majority versus minority, employer versus employee, officer versus prisoner, teacher versus student, priest versus parishioner. When people act in a way that exploits and abuses others, God has a harsh word. Where someone with greater power abuses, misuses, and takes advantage of someone who knows that they have power and they're acting egregiously against God's plans. What we find time and again in scriptures from Exodus on or even in the very person of Jesus Christ, our Lord takes the side of the unempowered and those who have nothing are to borrow again from Paul in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, which is a way of saying when we had nothing, nothing to offer, no power to save ourselves, nothing with which we might say to God, well, I'm worthy or I have something. It was then that God's salvation was offered to us. If this is God's preference, if this is where his heart is, no wonder he speaks so harshly when the power that determines, oh, I think I can just get away with this. Oh, I know God can be gracious, so I'm just going to keep on hurting others. When they think they can get away with, well, forgiveness will just be offered later. It doesn't matter what I do. To this, Nahum warns them in verse 6, who can stand before his indignation. Who can endure the heat of his anger? These words of warning are for those in Nineveh who continue their assault against the people of God upon a people that are still beaten and scattered. The Lord is good, and he is a stronghold, it says in verse 7. He is a source of strength, someone we can run to in prayer. He is a source in the face of the flood. Noah's imagery is here. Wherever there has been hardness, wherever there has been surrounded by trouble, so God's grace still provides for those who say, how much longer is the world going to be like this? How much longer is there going to be this kind of turmoil? And God says, I will give refuge to my people in the midst of this. 
And to the world that is still filled with sin and darkness, the world that is still filled with hate, there is a final word God has for that, for those who would abuse and misuse his people. And I find in this prophet a reminder for us that um, kind of the greatest tragedy, I think, of the church and the history of the church was when they took words that were supposed to be words of encouragement for a people who had nothing, who were people who needed to be delivered from sin and delivered from slavery. When, when Jesus or other pastors in the New Testament would talk about things like hell and things like judgment, it was always in the face of those who were either A, acting against in persecution to God's people, or B, using the church to get their way. And I think the greatest travesty of the church is when the church started to get more sway and more power. And comments about God's judgment turned into a power tool by which people said, we're on the inside, you're on the outside. Nahum's words of judgment are for those who are abusing power. And the church has been there over the course of its history. And to that, Nahum says... No more. God's patience is over with those who abuse power. And for those who come from a position of having nothing, this does end up being good news because it is a word that indeed there is hope, there is liberation, sin and sickness, and uh, the abuse of power does not continue on in this world. The, The prophet Nahum reminds us to have a voice for the unempowered, to have a word of hope for those who need it. It is my hope and it's my prayer indeed that we find in Nahum that even in these harsh words that seem to paint God as one who is easily angered, to remember the words, no, he is slow to anger, but he has no patience for those who take advantage of everything God is about and the grace that he wants to give to his people. And it's to that Nahum speaks to Nineveh, a place and a people who are still taking advantage. And we as Christians and now as, as those who are following in the way of Nahum find ourselves saying, can we be a people who remember to share God's grace where it is needed and to be able to speak words of encouragement when we look around and say, what is wrong with this world that has fallen apart? And how can I speak God's forgiveness and grace into this? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for your grace. I pray for your mercy in our life today. I pray that um, you would be with us Help us, Heavenly Father, to see that where where there is something drastically wrong, whether it is illness, whether it is sin, whether there's something in our world that we recognize just isn't right, that, Heavenly Father, you are the God who gets the last word. And that, Lord, you, in the midst of that, offer us comfort and peace and security. And that we can 
stay firm to our love and commitment to you and find that you are the one who will see us through. Thank you again for your grace and your love. I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today. Mm -hmm.